Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode, episode 202 of Goat Talk with Marcus, powered by Poddex, fueled by GoFuel. Joining me on the show once again, for the first time live, actually, uh, is Emmett Savoris of the C-Team Pod. What's up, man? How you doing? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. Week one, week one kind of kicked me in, in a place where it hurt pretty bad. I, I know we're going to get into that a little bit, but I'm happy to be back on. It's been a while. I think the last time we were talking Packers, I know we're going to talk some Packers today. Um, but hey, man, I'm I'm happy to be back on. Um, it's always a pleasure to have you on. It might not be the smartest decision to have two Packers fans on the <laughs> follow and the, and the Packers misfortune from Sunday, but we'll figure it out. Um, before we get into the Packers and 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 just what an absolute embarrassment of a football game that was on Sunday, let's talk about the two teams that played in the Super Bowl last season in the Los Angeles Rams and the uh, and the uh, Cincinnati Bengals both lost. Uh, this week. It's the first time since 1999 that the two teams that made it to the Super Bowl the previous year lost in opening week. Um, in 1999, the Broncos and the Falcons both lost their week one matchups in the new season. Um, is there need to be concerned for either team? Uh, I mean, obviously, we saw the Bills absolutely spank the Rams 31-10. The Bengals, especially Joe Burrow, played the worst game of his life, threw, the, threw four picks, fumbled the ball for, to make it five turnovers altogether. Somehow, though, the Bengals still kind of had a chance potentially to win that game. Um, which team are you more concerned about, if either the Rams or the Bengals? I'm uh, I'm really concerned about the Rams. I'll start off talking about the Bengals a little bit. They'll be fine. Um, an injury to T. Higgins, a concussion, that hurt him big time. Um, it's going to take a little bit for that offensive line to finally gel, right? You're bringing in, I think it was either three or four new starters on that offensive line. It's not going to be perfect game one. It's, it's not, it looked just as bad as it did last year, but it's going to take a little bit of time. Um, only like in game time, I think really builds that. I, I think that practice is fine and all, but until you're going up against a defense, who's not giving you the perfect look, it's going to take a little bit of time. Um, you touched on Burrow playing probably the worst game of his career. He might not have, a game this bad for the rest of his life. And then same with Evan, Evan, uh, Evan McPherson. 
He's only missed two kicks in one other game, and that was the Green Bay game last year, if you remember that disaster um, of a game for our kicker and theirs. But, I mean, like, literally throughout his entire career, which is last year and this year, he's only missed two extra points, um, and he only has missed five field goals uh, all, all, all last year. So I think he'll be fine. When you talk about the Rams, though, they're in some serious trouble. They have a lot of stuff that's not going to be able to get solved, really. I mean, obviously, their offensive line, I'll touch on that in a second. Um, Allen Robinson looked exactly the way that he has looked in Chicago, which is very ineffective. He's not putting in a whole lot of effort. Um, yeah, he could have gotten more than two targets, but I mean, I, I saw a video kind of showing all of the, you know, the routes that he was out there running and they didn't do much of anything special with him. It looked just like a classic Allen Robinson game. Uh, Matthew Stafford's elbow injury scares me a little bit, but I mean, I don't think we saw much evidence of that um, in the first game. But going back to their offensive line, their O-line depth chart's pretty scary. Um, not in a good way. They have Joe Noteboom, who was pretty bad, um, right? He was getting bullied by Von Miller pretty much the entire game. You go David Edwards, who's at left guard. Brian Allen, who was their starting center, he's going to be out for a little bit. So their backup center on their depth chart per ESPN is Coleman Shelton, who's actually their starting right guard. Um, so they're probably going to have to bring in Tremaine Ankrum Jr., um, to fill in his spot. And then they have Rob, uh, Rob Havenstein, who's an NFL veteran on uh, on the right tackle. That is a bad NFL offensive line. That is really, really bad. Um, their biggest, their best case scenario is bringing in a 40-year-old or is waiting for 40-year-old Andrew Whitworth to come out of retirement um, to come play for him. It's, it is not good for the Rams right now. Again, they have all this, this – you know, top tier talent, right? Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford. You know, they had Odell Beckham Jr. They went out and they signed Allen Robinson. But this is the problem with that. They have no depth. The the problem with the F your pick F them picks process is that you don't have depth. That's the problem with it. You get they are they have probably the top heaviest roster in the entire NFL. And you're starting to see why maybe having a top heavy team isn't great past a year or two. It's really starting to hurt them. The Rams. Jeez, oh, the Rams. The Rams look terrible um, week one. They look terrible offensively. They look terrible defensively. They looked like just terrible. Um, the Bengals on the other hand, looked bad. But a lot of that had to do with Joe Burrow just getting off to an extremely slow start. This is a team in Joe Burrow and the, and the Bengals that, despite the five turnovers, was still in a position at the end of that game to win the game if it weren't for Minka Fitzpatrick blocking the extra point. Like, we're talking about the Bengals, despite five total turnovers from Joe Burrow, walking out of Cincinnati um, with a win opening week. The Rams are absolutely the more concerning team, I think, because when you look at what's happening across the NFC and look at what's happening across the AFC, there isn't much parity in the NFC. There's a lot of parity in the AFC. And despite this one game, the Bengals are still among the best of the best in the AFC. They're still up there with the Bills and the Chargers and the Chiefs um, as being one of the more elite teams in the conference. The Rams, if they continue to look like this, are could potentially not win their division that has the Cardinals, that has the Niners, and that has the Seahawks, a division that we all think and all expect to be the Rams' division to lose, right? So from a totality standpoint, right, we're talking about a team in the Rams that, as you mentioned, lost Andrew Whitworth off the offensive line. Offensive line is terrible, week one. Lost Von Miller to the Buffalo Bills in free agency. 
doesn't have OBJ. And while I guess most people just kind of assume that whenever OBJ uh, comes back from his ACL injury, he'll sign with the Rams. Is that really a given that OBJ is just going to automatically return to the Rams once he's all healthy and ready to play back football? We don't know that for sure. Especially, so, especially if they're looking this bad. He wants to go to a contender. He, he, he wants to win championships. And, and, and at this point in his career, I don't blame him, right? Look, we say that there's nothing wrong with Matt Stafford's elbow. Do we know for sure that there's nothing wrong with Matt Stafford's elbow? We don't. Because one wrong hit, one wrong fall, one wrong move, and Matt Stafford's elbow could be terribly terribly ruined and i don't wish that on matt stafford i think he's a great quarterback but the los angeles rams i think we look at it from a totality standpoint and we look at it as far as where the rams rank in the nfc right we still kind of expect the rams to be one of the best teams in the nfc because they are the super bowl champions because they're in a relatively weak division um relatively not it's not really weak but it, it is relatively weak um clearly heavyweights of the division now if the rams are struggling to continue to produce offense and they're getting slaughtered like this defensively. That makes them susceptible to a loss against the Bucs, susceptible to a loss against the Saints, susceptible to a loss against the Cowboys, even though they don't have Dak, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Even susceptible to a loss against um, a team like the Eagles or a team like the 49ers. Like, there are a lot of solid defenses in the NFC that could wreak havoc on Los Angeles's, on, on the Rams' offensive line, and that is a concern that has to be fixed. The same way I think that the Bucs shouldn't be viewed as Super Bowl contenders, despite Tom Brady being the quarterback because of the offensive line, I now feel that same way about the Rams. I still think the Rams can contend because overall they are better offensively and defensively as far as weapons are concerned, as far as the defense is concerned. But if the offensive line can't keep Matt Stafford upright, it doesn't matter who the receivers are, doesn't matter who the running backs are, because he's not upright. So it doesn't matter. So I agree with you. I'm absolutely more concerned about the Rams than I am the Bengals. I think the Bengals, their issue was just a really, really, really bad game from Joe Burrow that we're, that we're likely never going to see again. The Rams have a schematics and a personnel issue that I don't know if you can just fix after one week. No, I agree. You you can fix chemistry. I, I, I truly think that as the Bengals get more time with the offensive line, they'll Joe. And I, I did we probably jump on the Joe Burrow being a top five quarterback hype train a little early? Probably. That being said, he's not going to have another four interception, probably five interception, um, if not for a pass interference call. Um, we're looking at that. That is the worst game he will play in his professional college, peewee, any sort of career. He he will he could live to be sixty, and he's not going he's not going to throw four picks to his kids in the backyard in a wheelchair. Yeah. He's not going to do that. Yeah. Um, let's move on from the Bengals and the Rams. Let's talk about the Lions who lost to the Eagles 38-35 to in a game that, as we, I guess, all kind of expected, kind of came down to the wire a bit. Um, They were down 10 with, like, a little over 10 minutes to go in, or, like, a little over five or so minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and then they scored another touchdown, and they were right there. Obviously, a loss is a loss, right? And we don't believe in more victories in sports. But, so, I mean, so, so forgive the oxymoron here, but is this a moral victory for the Detroit Lions? to nearly beat a team in the Philadelphia Eagles that a lot of people expect to make a deep playoff run and, more importantly, put up 35 points against a defense that has James Bradbury and has Jordan Davis and has Fletcher Cox, who he did go out for a little bit because of injury and has newly added C.J. Gardner-Johnson. This has to be some form of moral victory for the Lions, even though the even though we don't believe in moral victories in sports, right? 
I think offensively, yeah. I mean, I think anytime you're able to put up 35 points on a team who has, you know, the defensive firepower that the Eagles have, right? Obviously, you already talked touched on uh, Fletcher Cox. Um, they have Josh Sweat, Javon Hargrave, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who they traded for before the season, Darius Slay. Um, they have a very nice secondary going. James Bradbury, who they got from the, uh, the Giants. Hassan Reddick, they signed um, to a big deal. Jordan Davis, they drafted. They have a very good defensive roster. So to be able to put up four, 35 points on them, that, I think, is definitely a win. But here, here's the problem with the Lions, and here's why I wouldn't call it necessarily a moral victory. This is the second year in a row we've seen this from the Lions. They did the exact same thing last year against the San Francisco 49ers. They lost 31-33, to 33, and we were kind of asking almost the exact same question, right? Like, are, are they... Well, that was a little bit different, though, because the, the, the 49ers seemingly took the foot... Like, that was a blowout, and the 49ers yeah. kind of took the foot. This one was close from start to finish and they were able to like kind of hold their own and trade blows. I mean, on some level. Yeah. I mean, I mean, sure. I think you take a look and, and you know, at the end of the, I believe it was da, 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 at, at, you know, at the end of the third quarter, we're looking at a, uh, we're looking at a 38 to 21 ball game. So I think you could make the argument that the Eagles took their foot off the gas as well. Sure. Sure. But here's again, here's the problem that the, the Lions have two fundamental problems. One, their roster has talent, but it's lacking at the most important position. Jared Goff stinks. Jared Goff stinks. He, he does. Like, I'm sorry, and I hate to just continue to bash on Jared Goff anytime I talk about the Lions, but he stinks. The other problem is that their defense is picking up right where they left off. Back in 2021 last year, they gave up 27.5 points per game, which was 31st in football. The only team that was worse than them was the Jets, who gave up 29.6 points per game. So they were a while off of everybody else. They also gave up almost 380 yards per game, which was 29th in football. Um, and that includes 135 rush yards per game. Um, they also were giving up 5.9 yards per play last year, which was second to last. So they're bottom four in all of those categories. Then you go to what happened yesterday uh, on Sunday. Uh, they gave up 38 points, which is 31st. The only team who gave up more was Arizona, who was playing Kansas City, who we'll touch on in a little bit. They gave up 455 yards. They gave up almost 80 more yards than their average last year. Uh, that was 30th in the league. Uh, and then they gave up 216 rush yards yesterday. Yikes. And then here's the biggest one. They were giving up 6.3 yards per play. I think yards per play is the single most telling stat in all of football outside of probably the turnover battle. Yards per You sure. can generally tell who won and lost the game. If you're not looking at the turnover battle, if that's the same, look at yards per game, and you'll, prob you'll probably get your winner. They have not improved in, in, in any of those categories. Again, they have, they've loaded up with young talent, right? You just go down that entire depth chart. You talk about Aiden Hutchinson. You talk, you talk about uh, the receiver, Jameson Williams, that they just drafted from, from Alabama. You could talk about Amon Ross St. Brown, right, who popped off as a rookie last year. You could talk about Jeff Okuda, who was their first-round pick from a couple of years ago. That's fine. But if you can't stop anybody on defense, and if you have Jared Goff at quarterback, you're going nowhere fast. You're going nowhere extremely fast. And maybe this is a blessing in disguise for him, right? I, I don't know how much of a leash Dan Campbell's going to get. He got a five-year contract, I believe, right out of the gate, which is extremely... He's going to coach through all five. You have to coach through all five. This, this is... The Detroit Lions are ungodly impatient. Like that's that's always yeah. been the problem with the Detroit. Like the Detroit Lions hire a new coach and they want like here let's let's do it and like they forget just how terribly constructed the team yeah. is. So I think Dan Campbell coaches out through all five, no matter what happens. Um, he's got the heart of the city. He's got the heart of the players. 
I agree with you. This isn't a moral victory. I do think, though, that this is a good sign because this is a good football team with a good defense, and they scored 35 points. We're talking about a team that's going to face the Washington Commanders next week, and I think that's a win for them. I, I, I definitely think – or I, are they going to Washington? Or is Washington? Either way, they play the Washington Commanders next week, the 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 the, the commies, and, and, and I think they're going to win that game. They have two games against the Bears, right? They've got a game – on the schedule somewhere, I believe they play the Seahawks. I think they like they have a lot of games against teams that are right in their bracket of either being average or below average. All of them are winnable games. I I think this isn't a moral victory because I don't believe in moral victories. I don't even know why I asked the question. I don't believe in moral victories, but I do think though that the Lions can walk away from this as best as possible because it is a loss, right? With their heads held high. I agree with you. Uh Jared Goff is terrible he's a terrible quarterback he is terrible at his job he's a bum I 100% agree with you but I also recognize that no good quarterback is going to want to play for Detroit unless they're drafted to Detroit and then they'll have to play for Detroit because they have to play for Detroit but by and large I do think that this is good 216 rushing yards is obviously concerning but then I think you have to remember that this is a team in the Philadelphia Eagles whose identity is to run the football that's all they want to do is run the football which is kind of ironic considering that they brought in AJ A.J. Brown to be that secondary receiver or maybe that primary receiver alongside Devontae Smith. So there is a little bit of irony there. Um, but, I mean, you're talking about Philly. Jalen Hurts had a rushing touchdown. Kenneth Gainwell had a rushing touchdown. Miles Sanders had a rushing touchdown. Boston Scott had a rushing touchdown. What are you going to do? This is the best team running the football in the second half of last season, entering the playoffs last season. This is kind of what you expect. I think, though, that the Lions are okay. It's a bad football team, but I think they're okay. I still think the Lions can win seven games this year. I had them losing this game anyway, so this wasn't really shocked. I was just taken aback a bit by, number one, how how many points they were able to score on what I think could potentially be one of the league's best defenses this season, but also the fact that, and I get it, right, it was 38-21 to 21 going into the fourth quarter, but I think the argument can still be made up until the Eagles had scored on back-to-back possessions the Lions were holding their own and kind of trading blows to the Eagles a bit, and they kind of and they did crawl back in there in the fourth quarter, having scored 14 points, um, with a chance to potentially win the game if they would have made that one stop on third down against the Eagles. Um, who knows what happens there? Um, but that was just one of a lot of crazy games across the league in Week One. Now we're gonna go to a game that was also crazy, but for different reasons. The Minnesota Vikings hosted yeah. our. Green Bay Packers and Justin Jefferson looked like he was doing warm up routes. I mean, just absolutely scorched Green Bay's defense. Aaron Rodgers threw a pick, um, didn't throw for a touchdown. The offense looked all out of whack. Granted, there was no D block, there was no Elton Jenkins. Uh, the defense looked even more out of whack. What's more concerning as a Packers fan? The offense not clicking. Or Justin Jefferson torching the defense. <laughs> um, I, I do want here. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a little bit about Justin Jefferson before because I I was kind of one of those guys who, and maybe this is my Packer bias shining through. I definitely felt before the season, regardless of what happened in Week One. I think I'm like I my and the thought the thought in my head is Devontae Adams is going to come out of this season still as the best wide receiver in football because Devontae is going to get his. I think Justin Jefferson in Week One past Cooper Cup and past Devontae Adams and is now the best wide receiver in football. Here's why. 
we're now seeing Justin Jefferson. He's been in this this system for one game. This this Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan system, whatever you want to talk, whatever you want to call it. Cooper Cup's been in that same system for 72 games, and Devontae Adams in Green Bay was in it for 42 games. When you look at the numbers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Justin Jefferson has been absolutely fantastic. Justin Jefferson has a higher career yards per uh, yards per catch. In, or he has a higher career yards per catch, but he also has a better yards per catch in any season. And or sorry, in every season he's ever played in, in in the NFL than Cup or Adams have in any season. He's averaging at least 15 yards per reception in every season he's been in the NFL. And and the highest, I believe, out of uh, the highest out of Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams, I think, is one of them had a 12.9 yards per reception. Um, and that, that was a couple years ago. You look and, and just the average of yards per game um, uh, in this new system, he's played one game. He has the route running of Devontae Adams. He has similar hands to, pr- I mean, pretty much anybody. And after the catch, he's just as good as just as good, if not better than Jamar chase. He's the, I think personally, he's the best wide receiver in football. Now, what was really scary to me. And, and I think that I'm kind of not answering your question, but at the same time I am, I'm not super concerned about the offense. We've last year, we lost, we lost by more. We, we scored less points and we gave up more. I'm not super worried. What I am worried about is this coaching staff and their lack of ability to adjust because we see it time and time and time again. Literally last year in Minnesota, literally last year, we gave up 160-something yards and I think two touchdowns to Justin Jefferson on eight catches. Jair Alexander was not playing, and that was my excuse the entire time. He's going up against Eric Stokes, who had been getting cooked all year, although I think Eric Stokes is a good NFL cornerback. And then the... And then what they did is they went out and they tried the exact same thing again. But you had Jair Alexander. And this is, again, they chose the entire time. All nine catches of Justin Jefferson, all of his yards and all of his touchdowns were on the two Packers safeties. Adrian Amos had a career bad game. He had a really bad one. And don't even get me started on Darnell Savage. <laughs> they were ridiculously horrible. But Both of the yeah. touchdowns were given up on Adrian Amos. This is what scares me about the coaching staff and their lack their lack of ability to adjust. This is why you paid Jair Alexander. This is why you paid Rasul Douglas. This is why you went out and you drafted Eric Stokes to have the versatility to be able to because you know Matt uh, Jair talked about it after the game, basically saying that in practice he was asking, "Hey, can I travel with him? Can I travel with him? Can I travel with him?" And here's the thing: maybe Jair gets torched the exact same way, but I'd like to see the effort. I trust Jair There's Alexander. No, look, I trust Jair Alexander ten Justin times Jefferson more. Justin great. There's no way Justin Jefferson lined up against Jair Alexander. Packer bias or not, there's no way Jair Alexander gets torched to the tune of eight catches, 166 yards. But let's, but let's, but let's, let's just pretend he did. I like that outcome way more than I like the outcome of Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos covering him. Sure. I like that. I like sure. that outcome way more. You pay all these guys so that you can have the versatility. I genuinely think that the Packers could go play man defense 
against pretty much anybody in the league. And I think you're fine if you're coming out in nickel. If you have your three, if you you have your three cornerbacks, your two safeties out on the field, and you can honestly flip flop back and forth between Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell. And I think that's a that's a top one defensive unit in the NFC. See, I, I that's why you go out and pay those guys. So that you can have the versatility to in the middle of the game, if something's not working, screw it. We're going to change up the scheme, and we're going to take him out. And you saw that what they did in the second half, he only had one catch, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe two catches. Here's my beef um, with the Packers. First of all, offense, not concerned. Okay, we don't have – we didn't have our top four receivers, and the guy that told me number one receiver didn't play this game – Granted, what I will say is this: Christian Watson dropping what would have been a seventy-five-yard touchdown at, to open up the game Massive is blood. inexcusable. All the time, every day of the week, especially twice on Sunday, inexcusable. And I and I do and I do want to touch just on that offensive line. Not starting Bakhtiari, who when healthy was the best left tackle in football. Elton Jenkins, who's the best utility man in all of football, especially on along yeah. the offensive line. He's the future left tackle of the Packers if Bakhtiari can't either can't get it up or if he's just done. Yeah, but the 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 and lack. I don't think Bebock this, is done. I think we're being cautious, and I I appreciate the caution. Yeah, and and, and I think especially, and this kind of goes into the lack of ability to adjust to the fact that Jake Hansen was out there getting bullied for as long as he was before they put in Zach Tom at right guard. The Look, fact that it the fact that it took them that long to realize that he's not an NFL player and he shouldn't be going up against Zadarius Smith and Danielle Hunter. The fact it took them that long paired with the rest of the lack of adjustments. That's what scares me about this team. Because, I, I, Marcus, I don't know if you watched The Bolt last week, but I picked, or or my show earlier no, last no, week. I'm kidding. I did. I did. And, <laughs> and I picked, and my, my NFC my NFC Super Bowl pick, or my, my NFC champion, is the Packers. I, I picked the Packers to win the NFC because of because of what you talked about with the, with the Rams and their bad offensive line, along with the Buccaneers, because I think the Packers have the best defensive unit. Offensively, I sure. can't. I can't cut. I don't know. Listen, listen. This defense gave me a heart attack. Why? Why is Quay Walker on Justin Jefferson? No, listen, it wasn't. No, 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 it wasn't Quay Walker. It was Pre- it was Preston Smith. It was Preston Smith. That's even worse. Here's the deal, right? <laughs> From a totality standpoint, the Packers have a lot of talent on defense, right? Yeah. I think the Packers have a top five defense in the, in the league. I was not worried about offense, okay? Damn the offense. The offense is going to come eventually. Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. We're going to have offense. A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones are the running backs. We're going to have offense. That's how I felt three months ago when the schedule released and I made the pick for the game. Damn the offense this week because they're not going to do much. Maybe we could, but probably not, right? When you couple that then coming into the week with Alan Lazard being out because of the ankle injury, Debock not being cleared to play, and Elgin Jenkins getting hurt during practice being this week, 100% damn the offense, because we don't have an offensive line. So, no need to slander A.J. Dillon, no need to slander, although A.J. Dillon did score a touchdown, shout out to him, by the way. Like, there's no need to get mad at A.J. Dillon or Aaron Jones or Aaron Rodgers or any of those guys, because Aaron Rodgers and all they did what they could offensively. This defense is supposed to be one of the most talented defenses in football, and we let Justin Jefferson go off to the tune of eight catches, 166 yards, and two touchdowns. That is a touchdown every four catches and 20 Yards a reception, almost 21 yards a reception. That's inexcusable because here's the thing. Guess what? Not only do we have another game against Justin Jefferson, we have to face Mike Thomas 
or Mike Evans later this year. We have to face Cooper Cup later this year. If this defense can't get it together against Justin Jefferson, who I don't know if he's going to be, the, I don't know if he's the best wide receiver in football right now. I do still think that belongs to Devontae. I do think he can be when the season is over. And I do think there's two people he needs to jump, not just one. But, and it's not Cooper Cup, but this defense looked god awful. This defense looked absolutely terrible. The linebacking core looked disgusting. The D-line couldn't get anything going against what is a rather mediocre Minnesota Vikings offensive line. And the secondary, like I said, absolutely torched. Cooked food exhibit. They got put on a billboard. Just blasted. Plowed. Blown off the map. Whatever. It's unacceptable defensively. The offense is going to come. Because here's the thing. Will we be as prolific? Probably not. But in no world are you going to tell me that Aaron and an Aaron Rodgers-led offense can't produce points, can't score touchdowns, whether it's through the air or on the ground. So let's talk about it, air or ground, right? Um, last year, we were had one of the best passing attacks in football. This year, it's looking like we're going to have, hopefully, if everything is healthy, one of the best rushing attacks in football with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon as everyone gets healthy and all that and all that stuff. Which would you prefer as a fan would you rather see the Packers and in hindsight's 2020 and I'm sure I already know where you're going with this but let's just let's just talk about it would you have rather the Packers done everything they could to keep Devontae Adams and we continue to be a past first football team or would you have rather live in the world we live now where Devontae is gone and now we're a run first football team listen I I think and here's the here's the problem Right. I, I think that the nice thing about having Devontae Adams is when we had this game in week one last year, outside of the people who are clearly overreacting, everyone was like, this offense will be fine. And again, I, I still think this offense will be fine, and you still think this offense will be fine. Of course. But there is a lot of unknown in that wide receiving room. And I think that the pro there's a lot of unknown, and what is known isn't good. What I think, because here's what we know. We know Randall Cobb is old. That's a fact. We know Omari Rogers stinks. He stinks. With what I saw, with the, with the quote that we got from Aaron Rodgers today about him, he stinks. They they asked if I don't know if you saw that quote, but they asked Aaron Rodgers like, "Hey, like what's what's up with Omari Rogers' role in the offense?" And he said, "Yeah, he's he's returning kicks for us now. That's all I got to say. That's not good." Devontae Adams was horrible his first two years. We never saw him returning kicks. <laughs> Lamari Rogers. These are facts. You're right. These are these facts. These are facts. Again, Randall Cobb is old, effective sometimes, but old. He's uh, Amari Rogers stinks. Robert Tanyan, I think that's part of the unknown. How is he going to bounce back off that ACL? I think obviously he's one of those guys that Rogers trusts. But we don't know about these rookie receivers. The the thing and the thing we do know about Christian Watson is that his exact same problem in college is, is his problem in the NFL, at least through one game. Again, through three targets in one game, he can't catch. He 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 had he had a ten percent drop percentage in college, and yeah. and was that due partly to a like a, a very low sample size? Yeah, but a drop. There's a difference between not catching the ball and dropping the ball. He dropped the ball. Right. Like if if he had gotten, you know, if hit, that had hit him in the hands and we saw Harrison Smith, you know, clothesline him. That's right, different. We get That's it. That's different. He had a he had walk Harrison in Smith 70 feet and he had a walk in. Absolutely. He had a walk in touchdown. Uh, but to answer your question, I, I, I think I like what the Packers can be on offense. I, I think we do. I think I do. 
the difference is, and I, I would like this team a lot more, honestly, and this is a little bit of revisionist history because I, in the moment I did not like it. And now seeing what our wide receiving core is, I think I like it. I, I would like it a little bit more. I wish we would have just doled out the 11 million per year for MVS. I wish we would have, yes. would have had, I wish we would have had some work because we're sitting on $16 million in cap space. And I think the Packers honestly are a little bit overcorrecting because they would have traded for Stefan Gilmore last year. Uh, had had we had the cap space, and I think we probably would have doled out money for more money for Odell Beckham Jr. than veterans minimum, and we probably could have got him last year. So I think they're overcorrecting a little bit, and they didn't want to spend all that money on MVS because he is kind of a receiver who, again, doesn't have trustworthy hands. But I think Rodgers trusts him enough. Um, the running attack, if if everyone's healthy, can be really good. I and I think that especially you know you're bringing a guy in Christian Watson um, with Alan Lazard who are. Alan Lazard is, I think he's the best run blocking wide receiver in football. Christian Watson is a fantastic, he's a good run blocker. And if you don't think he's good, he's at least willing. He played in a run system in college. The nasty offense that they're going to have with the play action, any sort of rollout, any sort of someone slipping out, I think is going to be pretty good. The problem is the unknown. Um, and, and you knew what you had with Devontae Adams. I would rather have the running out, running attack that we have right now with that unknown than knowing that our ceiling for a fact was the NFC championship game because outside of Devontae Adams, we truly had nobody else. Because I think if we don't have Devontae Adams, uh, or if we don't trade away Devontae Adams, I well, obviously we don't have Devontae or uh, Quay Walker. Uh, or you know maybe we do, but we don't have Devontae Wyatt. And I don't think we have Christian Watson either. Uh, and I think that Christian Watson, although he had a very horrible week one on that catch, you can't start a career off much worse than that other than like a fumble. But... Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a process with him, and we're playing the Bears at home this week. I think I'm hoping that it's going to be a classic Aaron Rodgers versus the Bears slaughter fest. And you know, maybe Watson gets a touchdown, maybe Dobbs gets a touchdown, and, and then we're not having this conversation next week, right? Um, but for right now, I would take the running attack because I think that if they would have leaned on the running attack in that game a little bit more, right? We were getting about six a clip, six point two. Aaron Jones had five rushes for forty nine yards, which is nine point eight a clip. I think we would have been in that game for a lot longer. That doesn't mean I think we would have won. Um, but I, I think that we would have been in the game for a lot longer, which is why I'm choosing the rushing attack. Call me crazy. I absolutely agree because here's the thing, right? We watched Niners go to two, we watched Niners go to two NFC championship games in the Super Bowl doing what? Running the ball. We watched Tampa Bay Buccaneers go to a Super Bowl doing what? Running the ball. Um, I watched last year. The or a couple years ago, the year before that, uh, who's in the NFC Championship game the year before? Uh, 49ers, no, no, oh, no. in 2018, uh, Rams, yeah, it was yeah. 20 or it was no, it was the Eagle, no, it was the it was the Eagles who were playing in a in a run based system with JHI, uh, JHI, so, so, yeah. so how many pass first offenses in the last 10 years have made it to a Super Bowl? out of the NFC, other than the Los Angeles Rams last year, which isn't technically a pass for us offense, but was pass first because Cam Akers got hurt for a bunch of the season and came back. Yeah. Um, none, I think. The 49ers back in 2012 were a pass first football team. Um, we wa- but, he, but even, but he, yeah, no, the, the um, 49ers in 2012, 
2012. In 2013, it was the Seahawks. In 2014, it was the Seahawks. Run first offense. In 2015, was the Panthers, and they were a run first offense. Run first offense. In 2016, it was that was the last one. It was the Falcons. It was the Falcons. So, so they were pass first. In 2017, let's see. We watched the Eagles go to the Super Bowl. Run first. In 2018, was that 2017? Yeah. No. 20. Yeah, 2018 uh, was the Rams, 2017 was the Rams again. Um, with you're right. so Rams, Eagles. Point is, one team in the last 10 years has made it to the Super Bowl passing the ball first. You know the team before that that made it to the Super Bowl last passing the ball first? It's the Green Bay Packers. It's 11 years ago. 11 years ago was the last time the Green Bay Packers were able to rig it to and eventually win a Super Bowl pass first. It don't work. It just doesn't work. Look, I get on this show all the time and I clown Cowboy fans and and sometimes I clown Laker fans and I clown all these other fans about the definition of insanity. Here's the deal. What is insanity for those of you guys that are just joining and don't know what insanity is? Insanity is expecting the same again, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different results. Well, in 2019, we were past first offense, got blown off the field in the NFC championship. In 2020, we were past first offense and lost in the NFC championship. Game. In 2021, we were past first offense and we lost in the divisional round. Every year before that, that we've made the playoffs and we've been healthy, we were a pass-first offense that didn't make it back to the Super Bowl. So, running the ball first seems to be the thing that works. This is an offensive line that, when he gets back, will have the best left tackle in football, which by default would make him the best offensive lineman in football because being a because left tackle is the hardest position to play on an offensive line. Well, the only can, the only one possible is Trent Williams. That's the only person who's possibly better. Williams, and I'll say he's the second best offensive lineman overall. The point is, running the ball first wins you NFC Championship games. Running the ball first gets you into the Super Bowl. I'll take it a step further. Of all the teams that won a Super Bowl in the last 10 years, a large chunk of them were run-first offenses, with an exception of the Chiefs. Uh, a couple years ago in the Rams this past season, right? Every Patriots team was actually defense first, but I guess run second. So that kind of counts as far as being run first compared to the past. Um, and the Baltimore Ravens in 2012 were a run first offense, but then Joe Flacco was also like kind of crazy and doing a lot of crazy things. So they kind of passed the ball as well. Um, when Peyton Manning and, and the Broncos on the Super Bowl in, tw- in, tw- in 20, was that 2015? When they played the Panthers, they were run first offense. Like, this is what happens. Running the ball wins you championships. That's how it works. Damn offense win games, defense and championships. No, no. Running the ball wins you championships. The Green Bay Packers want to win a championship. Would I like to have Devontae Adams on this roster run the ball first? Absolutely. Well, I'm not crazy. But if I'm picking a pass first offense with Devontae Adams, where we know that the cap is an NFC championship game, or a run-first offense that in the last 10 years has saw multiple different teams across the NFL find success, make deep playoff runs, make it to and win a Super Bowl in some cases. That's what I want. I want the Packers to run the ball first. Here's the deal. This is going to be the worst game of the Packers season. How do I know that? Because week one last season was the worst game of the Packers season. Got blasted 31-3. What we do? We only went on to win 13 games after that. Had the first seed in the NFC, and then, yeah, well, you know, the rest is kind of... But... In the last four years, since Matt LaFleur has been a head coach, um, or in the last three years, I think it is, the Packers were 2-2 two and two in week one. The rest of the way were 37-9. and nine. So what that tells me is that week one, as it's always been, is an anomaly and doesn't mean anything. And we should take it with a grain of salt. The defense looked terrible. That is cause for concern. But the offense line wasn't healthy. Um, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, despite being productive behind a bad offensive line, look, a bad offensive line is a bad offensive line. There's not much you can do about that. And Aaron Rodgers threw a pick. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Whatever. Aaron Rodgers throws a pick. Like, it's not the end of the world. He's not going to throw that many more of them because he doesn't do that. So you'll see six more of them this season, and you'll see 20-ish or more touchdowns this season, and, 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 and everything will be all gravy, and, you know, the Packers will win a football game, and then – Lose in the playoffs and, and we'll be all depressed and stuff for the offseason. So um let's go comparative and let's forecast, right? Our Aaron Rodgers struggled without Devontae Adams. It seemed as if Patrick Mahomes thrived without Tyreek. He had five touchdown passes through three quarters against the Arizona Cardinals and what was a dominant performance by the Chiefs on the road in Arizona. I think he finished with 360 total yards passing and five touchdowns. Which quarterback do you think can keep up the trend that they've set from week one more? Are we more likely to see more bad games from Aaron Rodgers like we saw in week one? Or do you think we're more likely to see more extremely efficient, all-time great performances from Patrick Mahomes leading into the rest of the season? Which quarterback do you think stays true to what we saw in week one? I'm going to I mean I'm going to trust Patrick Mahomes on that one and and part of that I think is due to the fact that I think the Packers offense is going to get better. The Chiefs offense if you really look at it when you compare them to the Packers currently right now, I think they have probably three better pass catchers than the than the Packers do not counting running backs. I mean obviously Travis Kelsey is probably the second or third best weapon in all of football and then you have three legit burners who who just took the place of Tyree kill, right? Me, Cole Hardman, Sky Moore, and, and, you know, MVS that we were just talking about. They, they have legit speed. And I didn't even talk about Juju Smith Schuster. Who's a solid number two. The, you're going to see a lot more of that from Patrick Mahomes, especially. If they I, don't know if I love the Juju Smith Schuster love there, but especially if they, especially if their offensive line looks as good as they did, right? Mahomes was sacked zero times. Rogers on the other hand, I don't think it's going to be this bad, but he was sacked four times and there was a lot more pressures. And while I think some of the, well, at least two of those sacks, um, as well as some of the pressures were on Aaron Rodgers, Um, I think Mahomes being a lot more mobile allows him to, duck and dodge that a little bit more. And I think he's a lot less stubborn than Rogers is about um, changing plays due to pressure. I think I saw um, there was some sort of interview. I can't remember who, who did it, but they were talking about, you know, the difference between Tom Brady and, and Aaron Rodgers when it comes to, you know, pre-snap Tom Brady will see the defense and Aaron Rodgers will see the defense the exact same way. They will both know exactly the coverage that's happening. The difference is Tom Brady is like, all right, I'm going to change the play to beat this coverage. And Aaron Rodgers is like, watch this. I'm going to beat this coverage, and I don't have to change Jack. Um, so I think that I think Mahomes almost leans a little bit more now. He kind of plays a little bit in the middle, right? I think he can go and change the play. 
but I think he also has that Rogers like athleticism where it's just, he can make any throw from any sort of angle. He has decent weapons. Everybody was crapping on the chiefs. The second they traded away Tyreek Hill, like what's going to happen with the offense? Nothing. You have the, you have the best quarterback in football. I love Aaron Rodgers. Second best quarterback in football. I love Josh Allen. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's worst, worst (laughs) case, worst case scenario. You have the second best quarterback in all the football. You still have Travis Kelsey. You still have Michael Hardman. You drafted Sky Moore. You signed Devontae Adams. They're going to be fine on offense. We're going to see a lot more uh, of this from the Chiefs, truly. I mean, I think you look and we're going to, you know, we're going to talk about a little bit, you know, that game coming up against the Chargers that they have on Thursday night football. Patrick Mahomes has been extremely good against his division. He only has three division losses in his what? I think this is, he's going into his fifth year of actually playing football or his fourth year of playing football. And he only and he only has and he only has three losses. He he's lost to the Raiders once and then he smoked them later that season and he's lost to the Chargers twice. He he's going to torch his division just like he always has. We're going to see a lot more of this from Patrick Mahomes, a lot more. I don't know if we're going to see another 360 and five because I don't trust the Arizona Cardinals defense or anything about the Arizona Cardinals. I, but I, I have to agree with you just because I know that we won't see any more bad games from Aaron Rodgers. So this segment kind of sucks. We might, see, we, might see, we might see, we might see more bad games from Aaron Rodgers. We won't see any that bad. We are not going to see okay, very we, many. Sure. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll I, see him. We'll I, see I'm him throw little... up. We'll see him put up a stinker against like the Dolphins when it doesn't matter. Dolphins. Look, I, I, this is a terrible segment in hindsight. Um, <laughs> before we get into overreactions, because this is overreaction Wednesday, and before we talk about Thursday night football, let's talk about Monday night football. The Denver Broncos. Um, I don't really know what Yikes. to what words really to describe just how terrible the Denver Broncos were in the last minute of football uh, on Monday night. Russ's win. Their Russ's Russ's return. Jeez. Russ's return to Seattle. There we go. Okay. Russ's return to Seattle was spoiled with a 17-16 loss to his former team, the Seattle Seahawks. Who's to blame for the loss? Is it Russell Wilson or is it Nathaniel Hackett? It's Nathaniel Hackett, and it's not particularly close. <clears throat> I think, like, this this, this show was uh... – Definitely could be some disagreements. I don't think we're going to have one so far. Maybe we do. Maybe we do on this on the last one. But I got to be honest. I think I think I'm reading your mind on this one. Nathaniel Hackett. And this is the reason that I didn't hate that the Packers lost him. Everyone's like, oh, 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 oh here goes the Packers offense. They're losing the offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett. He doesn't call plays. He designs red zone schemes for the Packers or he did. And guess what? The Broncos offense sucked at. Red zone offense. It's not shocking. It really isn't. They looked. I'm sure you did. You watch the entirety of this game. Yeah. Did that offense in the red zone not look exactly like what the Packers offense in the red zone has looked like for the past however many years? Shotgun runs on the goal line. Just roll out plays that all they do is result in what's basically a throwaway. It, It looked absolutely horrible. We saw more clock management. And again, this is. On, most of this is on Aaron Rodgers when you talk about the poor clock management. Cause I mean, we, we kind of Packers fans, we have this kind of inside joke of just like, you can basically count on two out of our six timeouts a game being burned because Rodgers let the play clock. get too low. <laughs> We yeah. saw that the entire game. They just, Russell Wilson was able to get the snap off, but they were constantly snapping the ball with two, three, one, zero seconds left on the, on the, on the play clock. Um, and, and I mean, and then you talk about, <laughs> you talk about the field goal choice, man. Why are you paying a quarterback $240 million to let a kicker who is one for seven at that moment 
on field goals of 60 plus yards. And here, here's what I will say here. Here's where I'll defend Brandon McManus, obviously. And, and maybe even Nathaniel Hackett, a shred. There's, I think there's three kickers genuinely in the league that can make that kick. Four. I agree I'll with give, you. I'll give you four. Justin Tucker, obviously. Matt Prater, Brandon McManus, and probably Harrison Butker. They have, they have the leg for it, at least. Brandon McManus sure. has a fantastic sure. leg. And again, it only it only sure. missed by a couple. We're, we're three yards away from talking about what a gutsy call that was. You know, whatever. No, 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 not me. That's a terrible call either way. Look, I right, but, but, I, but I think but I think it's like, I think it, it's able to be if they make it, you can gloss over it. Right. No, like, you cannot. I, you I, can't. I think if they made no. it, we gloss over it again. I, I'm just I, I just. I disagree with the decision just as much as you, but here's I'll, I'll make Nathaniel Hackett's case a little bit. Glossing. I'll make gloss on your lips, and that's it. In a glossary, there, there's no I'm... glossing over that. Ter- you don't pay Russell Wilson all that money to take him off the field on fourth and five and hope to God that Brandon McManus kicks a 64 yard field goal. Look, there are four court. There are four, there are four kickers that are capable of making the kick. Sure. There's one guy in the NFL that is on a roster as a kicker. that I would trust on a fourth and five in hostile territory and this type of situation to make that field goal. And his name is Justin Tucker. He's the only quarter. He's the only kicker in football. You want to trot Brandon McManus out there for a 64 yarder in the middle of the second quarter. Be my guest to clinch the game. No, make it or miss it. That's a terrible decision. And look, here's the thing. I'll be honest. I don't like always being – that's not true. I love being right. But I don't like telling people I told you so. But damn it, Steezy A. Smith, I told you so. Because all I've been telling you all offseason, I, I, oh, I wish Steezy was here, is that Nathaniel Hackett does not deserve the credit that he deserves for what Raymond Rodgers has been Thank to you. do over the last two years. Because Thank as you. Emmett just said, he only designs red zone offenses. And last season – the red zone offense was disgusting because Rob Tunyon tore his ACL. The season before, it was still bad, but they maxed it because a lot of those passes, those shotgun passes, those pistol looks, those rollouts, were going to Rob Tunyon because he's the big body target in the red zone. Here's the deal. There's two major takeaways. Number one, Nathaniel Hackett, not qualified to be a head coach right now. Mm -mm. Big shocker. Number two, somebody doesn't trust Russell Wilson. Because here's the thing, right? Tom Brady... Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert, Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. Dare I say Dak Prescott? Uh, who else? Josh Allen for sure. Matt Stafford? Absolutely. All of those QBs on a fourth and five from there, you're not trying out the kicking unit. You're going for it on fourth and five. And most importantly, Russ, the clock's winding down. Why are you not calling a timeout, sir? What's happening? So that's bad clock management. I sit on this show all the time, and I bash Mike McCarthy for how terrible he is at managing the clock. Guess what? Russell Wilson, that's the worst job you've ever done at managing a clock. I saw the meme, and it's hilarious. Peyton Manning made a timeout motion on the sidecast for the Mannings 62 times in 30 seconds. The Broncos made one. It's because the play clock was winding down. This is absurd. I don't gloss over things like this because you cannot. Brandon McManus makes the kick. 
great for you. You win the game. That doesn't make it a good decision. That doesn't take away from the fact that you don't trust your $200 million quarterback to get you five yards. Look, here's the stat. You have a 14% chance of making that kick. I don't care who you are if you're Brandon McManus. Now, if it's Justin, kick, if it's Justin Tucker, I'd say it's a guarantee. But you have a 14% <laughs> chance of winning the game, you make that kick. If you go for it on fourth and five and you make it, you have a 66% chance of winning the game, whether it's by touchdown or by field goal. And if you get those five yards, that 64-yard field goal turns into something in the mid-50s, which we all know that every NFL kicker can absolutely nail a game-winning field goal that is roughly around 54 yards or less because we see it all the time. Nathaniel Hackett made a terrible decision. And because of this, I am going to double down right here, right now, on my belief that the Denver Broncos are going to miss the playoffs and they're going to be dead last in the division because this is a close game that shouldn't have been a close game, number one against the Seahawks. You think the Chargers? You think you're, you're not going to blow up the Chargers? You're not going to blow up the Chiefs? You're not going to blow up the Raiders? You're going to be in more close games. And if you struggle to make this decision now in week one, you can't tell me that we're not going to see this mistake rear its ugly head later in the season when games start to matter more, specifically whether it's in the division and against other conference opponents. This stuff matters. Nathaniel Hackett made a bad decision. And look, shout out to Russ, who was in his Emmy tux, like he was at the Emmys or whatever, for like for like supporting his head coach and, and Nathaniel Hackett for dumbing, for doubling down on it. But number one, somebody doesn't trust Russ. Number two, Nathaniel Hackett's not qualified for the job. He's not ready. Those aren't harsh facts. That's the harsh reality of the situation. Because any other QB, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes, Tom Brady, jo uh, uh, Matt Stafford, even Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, any of those guys, they're going for the fourth down. I've seen John Harbaugh on a fourth and two on the 50-yard line look at Lamar Jackson and say, hey, Lamar, you want to go for it? And what does Lamar say? Absolutely. They go for it, right? Aaron Rodgers all the time. Tom Brady makes those decisions. Somebody doesn't trust Russell Wilson and or Russell Wilson might not trust Nathaniel Hackett. See, originally I thought that maybe the issue would be that Russ holds on to the ball too much and that could be the undoing. But no, no. We have to recognize that this is still a first-year head coach, and I've been screaming from the mountaintops that I don't care how great Aaron Rodgers looked. It wasn't Nathaniel Hackett that was making him look that good, and he's still a first-year head coach. Josh McDaniels worked all of his career, his entire coaching career in New England with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, the greatest coach and the greatest quarterback of all time. Josh McDaniels right now is on his second stint as a head coach. The first time it was terrible, and he just got absolutely plastered by the by the Los Angeles Chargers in week one. Thank you for your time. Nathaniel Hackett's not a good head coach. This will be a bad season, and I am I I, I would bet I would. I'm not going to, but I would bet every dollar I have that the Denver Broncos are gonna miss playoffs, and it's going to be because of bad coaching decisions by Nathaniel Hackett. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take it a step further. That was a fireable game from Nathaniel Hackett. I, I'm gonna take it that step further because when you really look at it, he was brought in. Let's let's be completely real about this. He was brought in to bring Aaron Rodgers to Denver. Make no mistake about it. That's why he was hired as the head coach of Denver, not because he's some offensive mastermind. Because let's let's take a look at the offenses that he's that he's really put together. He put together the 2017 Jags offense or 2018. Thank you. Thank you. He put together, and again, he's he's a red zone guy, right? Then why the, the Packers failed in the NFC Championship game against the Buccaneers? Oh, wait, that was in the red zone. 
Then you look at this this past season, the Packers were one of the worst red zone teams in the league when it comes to contenders. And then you look at then you look at yesterday. Here, here's just some of the mind-blowing stats. They ran 15 more plays. They had 12 penalties for over 100 yards, and they were 0 for 4 in the red zone. What are you doing? Why are you on the team? You got hired, quote-unquote, if, if, if the Broncos management was telling you. They, he got hired because he was an up-and-coming, fantastic offensive coordinator. The only times we've seen him ever call plays was in the red zone in 2020 for the Packers when they wound up choking in the NFC Championship. He was calling plays in 2021 when the Packers had one of the worst offenses in the red zone out of the contenders. He was calling plays in Jacksonville in 2018 when their offense stunk. And the only reason they got to the NFC or the AFC championship is because their defense was so damn good. He is not qualified to be a head coach. I would, if I would have known you had done, you'd done that. I would have doubled down on that too. He was horrible. And again, I know everyone's going to kind of be like, Oh, you know, fire someone after one game. He was that bad. He has Mike McCarthy qualities. The Nebraska's head coach, uh, 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 Scott, uh, Frost. Scott Frost, got fired after two games, three games, whatever it was. Like, it's not unheard of. No. I, I personally wouldn't fire him, but that is something you look at and you say, wow. But I think – but here's, Hackett, the, here's the difference. Struggled in the most important – why is Nathaniel Hackett not calling a timeout at that time? You're taking way too long. What are we and, doing? And especially when you talk about the timeout, here's, here's the thing. Nathaniel Hackett, here's the thing. I get firing him after one game obviously isn't super practical, but you and I wouldn't have hired him, right? I mean, so like there's at least we have that going for us. Here's the thing clock management, and here's where I put a little bit of blame on what Russ. One, I don't, he wasn't trusting the system. They were running the same Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan system. They were running that same system, and that it takes a little bit to get used to. It does. Russell Wilson was taking his checkdowns more than I've ever seen in my entire career. All of my Seahawk friends were talking about, wow, I've never seen Russ hit the running backs and tight ends as much. Javante Williams was second in the league in receptions to only Cooper Cup. He, and here's where I understand almost the decision to kick it a little bit. Not obviously, I'm not saying let's go for it. Here's where I understand it a little bit. Russ was not throwing the ball downfield well. And you had to pick up those five yards. Hell, on the third and 15 that puts you in position to be in the fourth and five, Russ threw it five yards behind the line of scrimmage on third and 15. And he got lucky. Javante Williams broke tackles. But there's options here. Like, no, I understand. And here's where I start to get him off sides. There's so many different And here's where I start putting it on Russ. Here's where I at some point, not the cut, like at some point from a Nathaniel Hackett standpoint, right? You're watching your quarterback. The entire offense was confused. Nobody knew what was going on. At some point, you have to take control of that situation and say, look, let's just call a timeout here. Let's figure this out. Let's, let's figure this out. You don't trot out Brandon McManus. I don't care that he's capable. Yeah, he's capable of it. But do you trust Brandon McManus at that spot, in that moment of this game, of the magnitude of this game? I get it's week one. This is Russ's return. Somebody's trying to stick it to somebody. <laughs> somebody. At some point, you have to look at this as from a totality and say, look, I'm the head coach. I need to make a decision. The clock's dwindling down, and they're not even at the line yet. Russ is still telling everybody what to do. Something has to give. You wasted 20 seconds of game clock doing that. Like, th- th- and I get it. It's the it's your last play of the game potentially, but you're paying Russell Wilson $200 million. You just extended Russell Wilson. 
this is a game you were not supposed to lose, not because of what it meant, but because you're better than the Seattle Seahawks and you lost the game because you can't make a decision. You didn't make a decision, Andy Hackett. Russ didn't make a decision. Nobody made a decision. And we're just like, you know what? Well, we can't go for it now because... His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. If we don't like the look, then we got to run it because we already called a timeout. So let's just send the kicker out there and hope for the best. What? And that's why and, and here's and here's where I put a little bit of blame on Russ. If he would have regardless of if he knew if that was the plan or not, because everyone was saying, oh, you know, that was the plan. No, it wasn't. You stop lying to yourself. Oh, if Russell Wilson, if Russell Wilson calls that timeout the second that plays over and you have just over a minute, that handicaps Nathaniel Hackett. And, and maybe this sounds like it's some, you know, gigantic power struggle, which it's not supposed to be, but it kind of is already. If you call that timeout, you have no choice but to go for it. Because if you take that, because if you take that field goal. And let's say you make it, you're giving Seattle, you're giving Seattle however many timeouts they had and a minute to go down the field. You have to go for it there if you're Russell Wilson and you call that timeout. You make Nathaniel have to go for it. Okay. But here's the thing. It's not even that, though. Javante Williams was tackled inbounds. Yeah? Yeah. Clock was still running. Yeah. What are we, what are we talking about? The clock was still running. That's what – yeah. That is that is timeout call. Like, I get it. Okay, you call the timeout. You got to go for a fourth down. You're paying Russell Wilson two hundred million dollars. Exactly, that's what he's there for. Yeah, I can see if your if I, I can see if your QB is still Drew Locke or 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 or, or, or Philip Lindsay for that one game in the COVID year when he was the QB. You're paying Russell Wilson, arguably a top five quarterback in the league, definitely top ten. This is why you're paying him. This is the moment as to why you're paying him, and you kick a field goal, like make it or not. I get it. Okay. You make it. He's a hero. Brandon McManus is that's still a bad decision. You're, 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 you're playing with the house's money at that point. If you, if you're going to, we're living in Seattle, we're playing a game in Seattle, a team that's known uh, in, in a, in a place that's known for bad weather. And I get it. The weather was fine on Monday, but still bad weather all around. Anything can happen. You have three time outs. If I'm not mistaken, Emmett, the, the Broncos didn't call a single timeout at all. The clock just kept rolling. They had all three timeouts. So throughout the course of that last drive, not one time did they stop the clock. Yeah. So this isn't even just you don't call a timeout here. It's you're you're getting stopped in bounds and all this other stuff. You're getting sacked. You're losing yards. And you're just like, oh, we're just going to let the clock run. Yeah, let's just let the clock run. No, that's not what you do. That's, that's stupid. Stupid, 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 stupid. So – for all you out there that really thought that Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson were going to be a dynamic duel in the NFL was going to lead the Denver Broncos to the Super Bowl and potentially win it, you're a moron. Moron, 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 moron. <laughs> and, in, and, and, and in 17 weeks, when the Denver Broncos are sitting at home on their couch with nine wins, I'm coming back on this show, and I'm telling you I told you so because I told you so. Now, let's get off of this. Because I'm I'm done with the Broncos. Let's move on to the AFC West showdown. That you, oh, actually, before we get into that, let's talk about overreactions because it is week one, and week one is usually when we get the most overreactions. What is your biggest overreaction from week one? 
I got a couple. Um, I'm kind of deciding here. Um, I think that here's here's some of mine. Uh, I'll, here, I'll read off. I got four. I got four. I wasn't sure how many we were supposed to do. I'll read off four, and then I, I'm going to kind of decide as I say I'm my spiciest. Um, I think it's very realistic that the Rams and the Raiders don't make the playoffs. Well, and or. I think it's very possible the that. Rams and the Raiders. Or the I think and like, or they're, the Raiders they're, they're, will miss the playoffs. They're individual hot takes. Sure. Um, okay. I, I think I think those are possible. Uh, I also think it's possible then that these are going to be two opposite sides of the spectrum. I think it's possible the Bills go seventeen and zero. I think it's possible the Jets go zero and seventeen. The Jets looked horrible. And here's and I'll you know my Jets I think is probably my best one. Here's why I think it's possible they go zero and seventeen. One Zach Wilson's injury um, obviously screws them because Joe Flacco cannot play quarterback in twenty twenty two. His his last good season was ten years ago. Yep. Ten years ago. Yeah, he, he hasn't been good since. And, and the problem with with that is is that again until Zach Wilson gets back, and even once Zach Wilson gets back, like are we are we sure Zach Wilson's good? Because I'm not. And th- and then you look at that game, and it was so horribly coached. Did you look at the stats of this game, Marcus? No, I don't watch Jets football. I'm not ashamed to say that. Oh, guess how many times Joe Flacco <laughs> threw the ball? Not ashamed to say that. Guess how many times Joe Flacco threw it, the ball? Wait, I heard it was like upwards of 50, wasn't it? 59 times. Yeah, that's a losing Joe, recipe. For Joe that. Flacco threw the ball 59 times in an NFL game in 2022. That's At some point, that's horrible coaching. <laughs> You get Joe Flacco throwing the ball past 30 times, you have a massive problem. He, he, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> their running game wasn't even doing horrible. It wasn't. It was doing way better than the Baltimore team or than the Baltimore yeah. Ravens were. Yeah. They, they were doing yeah. way better. 17, 17 carries, 83 yards. That's almost five a carry, 4.9. Then you look at, the, at Baltimore, 21 rushes, 63 yards, three Yards per Gary. You could have been in this game had you just ran the ball. Why'd you draft Brees Hall then? Why do you have Michael Carter on the roster? If you're going to throw the ball, if you want to run the air raid offense with Joe Flacco, be my guest. Be my guest. But again, thank God I'm not a Jets fan because I would be <laughs> pissed. I would yep. be pissed. If you had, if you yep. tr- hell, if you trotted out Joe Flacco or hell, if Chase Daniel was on my team, and I know that's apple, apples to oranges, blah, 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 blah. If Chase, you had some, at this point, I take Chase Daniel over. If you had any Flacco sort of mediocre, if you had any sort of mediocre, washed up, garbage backup quarterback throwing it 59 times, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? It's very possible that the Jets are going to wind up going 0 and 17. I think when you look at their schedule, they have the worst quarterback, I, I'm pretty sure, in every single game this year. The The yeah. only game that's possible is literally just depends on how you feel about Geno Smith. Slash, I'm super low on Tua, but I'm not that low on Tua. Um, I, they have the worst quarterback because, again, look, Cle- Cleveland with Jacoby Brissett, I'm taking Brissett. Joe Burrow, obvious. Um, Kenny Pickett or uh, Mitchell Trubisky, I'm taking both. Tua, I'm taking both. Uh, obviously, I'm taking Aaron Rodgers. I'm taking Russ. I'm taking Mac Jones. Taking, um, yeah, Mac Jones twice. Taking Josh Allen twice. I'm taking Justin Fields, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Trevor Lawrence. I'm taking all of them. The only one you might have a quarterback advantage in is Seattle, and you'll have Zach Wilson back by that time. But I'm not. The Jets. 
number one draft, number one overall draft pick. Watch for sure. Zach Wilson. He's 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 played how many career games, and he's already on. He's already going to be on the hot seat because of how bad this team is. It's possible. So, I was thinking that one of my hot takes or one of my overreactions wouldn't be shared, but it's okay. Great minds think alike. The Bills are absolutely going seventeen and zero. You can't look that good and not go seventeen and zero. I had the Bills losing two games. I had the Bills losing this game against the Rams, and I had them maybe losing a game to the Patriots. Then I watched the Patriots look absolutely dumbfounded against the Miami Dolphins. The Bills are going 17-0. This offense is fantastic. Here's the thing. They're running the football. Devin Singletary was running the football, and Zach Moss was actually involved in the offense. The Bills are going 17-0. That's easy for me. I've got two more. I'm going to stay in the, NF- I'm going to stay in the AFC for the first one. I get it. They played great, but they still lost. I understand that. Or they still almost lost. They did come off with the win, right? There's a lot of question marks around what's going to happen offensively. I get it. They've got a couple injuries to deal with on both sides of the ball. I get it. Not only is Mike Tomlin not going to have his first losing season this season, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers can make the playoffs. I really, really, really believe that the Pittsburgh Steelers, because here's the thing, right? And I get it. People are going to say, oh, well, you know, they did all that stuff defensively and they still kind of found a way to almost lose the game. And of course, TJ Watts out. I get it. TJ Watts not out for the season, though. And that's what I think the big thing is. But let's just forget about TJ Watt for a second. I know it's hard to see defensive player year. Minka Fitzpatrick is back. Yeah. Like for the first time since he's been in a Pittsburgh Steelers uniform, Minka Fitzpatrick is back, and that was my big issue last year, was they had Minka basically being like a fifth linebacker because they couldn't stop the run, they couldn't stop the pass. Minka Fitzpatrick is back. I know there's questions about Najee Harris because he's got a little foot thing going on, and I that, that would be a massive blow to them if Najee Harris misses a lot of time. And I understand, obviously, what T.J. Watt brings to the table. But defensively, this is why you bring in Brian Flores in the offseason, so that he can help bolster that defense. Mike Tomlin is still Mike Tomlin. This is going to be the most strict, structured, disciplined football team in the NFL this season. I think as long as the Steelers stick with Mitchell Trubisky, don't give up on him for Kenny Pickett, they can make it to the playoffs with nine wins. That's my first overreaction. I'm gonna, and, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna back I'm gonna back you up on that one because I regardless the quarterback I have them as my sixth yeah. seed in the playoffs. Here's my second one, and I said this on the show last week, um, and 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 germ of stuff about sports was disappointed to me, and I think Peyton laughed at me. Um, the New Orleans Saints are going to the Super Bowl. Ooh, I think the New Orleans Saints are going to the Super Bowl. Now, this is not a pick that I am married to. I'm, I'm, I'm going to steal Steezy's card here. I'm not married to this pick. I, I, This is, as Stephen A. would say, this is fluid. But I do think right now that the New Orleans Saints are going to the Super Bowl. I think they're going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Um, and the reason why is, look, I get that Jamie's Winston had a really, really, really bad first half. But this is a team defensively that despite losing C.J. Gardner-Johnson, still has Tyron Matthews, still has Cam Jordan, still has Demario Davis, still has Marshawn Lattimore. They're still talent defensively. I think what happened offensively was a combination of two things. Number one, the offensive line just wasn't ready. Number two, and most importantly, I think we have to acknowledge is I think maybe there was a little bit of rust on Jameis Winston given that he missed a lot of last season and everybody was back and it's the first time 
everybody did back, not to mention you have Olave in there. Now you've got, like, there's a lot of moving parts of this offense now. And for the first time in a long time, this is an offense that could be very, very elite as far as the passing game is concerned, not just the running game. I like Alvin Kamara and Marvin Ingram in the, and Mark Ingram in the backfield. We've seen that tandem work in the past. I wish they would have given Mark, uh, Mark, uh, Alvin Kamara the ball more, right? I think there was just a lot of jitters offensively. But I do still think defensively, though, that this is a team that caused a lot of matchup problems for our Packers, for the Bucks who are in their division, um, caused a lot of problems for the Rams, particularly if they don't get their offensive line together. So I do want to double down on the Saints making it to the Super Bowl. The biggest overreaction I have after week one, Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey are going to get hurt this season. I, I can just feel it. Oh, that's not no, I, that's that's not even an overreaction. Not, no, but listen, and, and, and maybe you can say it's not an overreaction because it's like the norm at this point. But I don't like what I saw. I get it. Saquon Barkley had 194 yards total. He had 164 yards rushing. He had a touchdown, the game-winning touchdown, by the way, against Tennessee Titans. And of course, he had 30 yards receiving. Chris McCaffrey was being Chris McCaffrey. That's too much too soon. I think. I think that's too much too soon. Now, what I will say to that to make this an overreaction is, if Chris McCaffrey doesn't get hurt. If Saquon Barkley doesn't get hurt, the Panthers or the Giants will be in the playoffs this year. It's a big if. And I bet my money more on the Panthers than the Giants. I, as crazy as it is, I love what I saw from Baker Mayfield on Sunday. The, the, the Panthers lost this game because of a last-second kick from a rookie kicker. That's not a bad way to lose. I mean, look, it started off a little bit rough, and I know he did throw a pick, right? I know he threw a pick, but... Baker played good Baker Mayfield football and had the Panthers in a position to potentially win that game. I did have the Panthers winning that game, actually. This is a team, I love what their defense is doing. I think their defense is young. They're healthy. They're back. I love Brian Burns. I love Jason Horn. Like, this is a solid defense, I think. Robbie Anderson went deep for 75 yards, the longest touchdown of the week last week. Um, Of course, you have DJ Moore. Obviously, we talk about Christian McCaffrey. I would like to see Matt Rule use Hubbard a bit more to take the load off of Christian McCaffrey, and maybe Christian doesn't get hurt. But if, if Christian McCaffrey stays healthy and if Saquon Barkley stays healthy, I could see the Giants and or the Panthers in the playoffs this season. Um, the Giants obviously have the benefit of there not being a Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. And, of course, we know that the Eagles are the Eagles. And the uh, you have the Commanders and the Giants. And anything can happen there in the NFC East. But because it is the NFC East, it is possible I could see the Giants in the playoffs. But 100%, though, I'm with you. The Buffalo Bills are going to go 17 and 0. And I'll take it a step further. The Buffalo Bills are going to be the first team since the 1972 Dolphins to have a perfect season. They're going all the way. Ooh. They're going all the way. They're winning all 17. They're going to win their game in the playoffs, all three of them. And they're going to finish off this season at the top of the NFL Mountain as Super Bowl champions. Real quick before we go, because we've gone about 10 minutes over. And by the time we're finished with the show, it'll be 15, 20 minutes over. Thursday night football kicks off officially on Amazon Prime with the new Prime football and all that good stuff. The Los Angeles Chargers coming off a win against the Raiders take on the Kansas City Chiefs coming off a win against the Cardinals. I think I know who you have winning, but who do you have winning this Thursday night matchup between the the Chargers and the Chiefs? Yeah, I mean, I think like there's this this game could probably go either way. Um, the Chargers they have the most success against Patrick Mahomes of any like division opponent, um, and really, I mean, I think any opponent. Um, in the NFL, because not a whole lot of people have had success against Patrick Mahomes. Um, he doesn't necessarily look super good. Both of his losses against the Chargers have come at home. Um, if you remember the first one, 
was his rookie year. It was in December. I remember this one vividly. I was coming out of uh, watching. I don't remember what movie it was. I caught the I caught the end of the uh, game on my phone when the when the Chargers and Philip Rivers went for two, um, and got the win there. And I think the other one was was last year. Pat or uh, and Patrick Mahomes didn't have you know necessarily uh, his best game. Three touchdowns, two picks. Um, but I'm going to take the the Chiefs in this one again. This could go honestly either way. Um, but Keenan Allen being out and especially with Justin Herbert and his seam of like in his. <laughs> It seems like he doesn't like throwing the ball <laughs> to, to Mike uh, to Mike Williams. I don't get it. Um, but Keenan Allen not being in hurts for me way way more than than the Chiefs not having Harrison Bucker um, or Trent McDuffie. I think those kind of even themselves out. And I'm just gonna, I'm going to take Patrick Mahomes at home to get the first one. Uh, Khalil Mack, of course, could be a game wrecker. He was a game wrecker last week for the for the Raiders. You know, he got three sacks um, of Derek Carr. But I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Chiefs in, in a pretty close one. I don't know if we're giving score predictions, but I, I'll give you I'll give you. I would stay away from the spread on this game for any gamblers, any degenerates. Uh, I would take the the Kansas City Chiefs winning. I'd say hmm, 27-24. Exact same score, but for the Chargers, this is the beautiful matchup that I love about the Chargers and why I think the Chargers are going to ultimately win the division. Listen, I recognize that the Chargers didn't improve their run defense, but they didn't improve their pass defense. The Chiefs didn't improve defensively at all. They can't stop the run. They couldn't stop the run last year or the year before that, or the year before that. They can't stop the run now. Austin Eckler is a top five back in football. He's going to prove that this week or well, tomorrow. And Justin Herbert is one of the best quarterbacks in football. He's going to prove that as well. Meanwhile, I do think that the Chargers secondary is going to be able to blanket the field, make things a little bit tough. 27-24, Chargers are going to win get the first one over the Chiefs, and that's going to be the one that matters because they'll be 2-0 in the division at this point, obviously because the Chiefs haven't played a division game yet except for the one they're going to play tomorrow. But um, that will matter down the stretch because I do think that if there's one team that can sweep the division this year, it is the Los Angeles Chargers. They're going to keep that hope alive with a win against the Chiefs. What I believe is at home, I think, or maybe it's on it's the a, road. I'm it's not- it's at, uh, at Arrowhead, at Kansas City. Of course it is. Um, so, yeah, there we go. Emmett, before we go, please let everybody know where they can find you and all of your content. Of course. Yeah. Uh, at Emmett J. Savoras on Instagram and Twitter. At The Scene Team Pod on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Um, you can find any of my work covering the Mariners at SotoMojo.com as a part of Fan Sided. And then anything about the Packers. Um, Emmett Savoras, again, on uh, Dairyland Express, which is another um, product of Fan Sided. But, again, Emmett J. Savoras on Instagram and Twitter. Once you guys follow Emmett, make sure you guys follow me, but you guys already know where to find me. GTP Mark is on everything, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook. Available on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and, of course, YouTube, which is how you're watching. Or maybe you're listening, and I'm sorry for assuming uh, how you're listening to this greatness. That's my fault. So, um, we'll be right back here tomorrow. Uh, the Rundown with Peyton Doyle and myself, live, 7.30, right before Thursday Night Football. We've got a great slate of stuff to talk to you guys about. Um, last week, if you missed last week's episode, you have a little over like 20 hours to watch it. So watch last week's episode and then watch this week's episode tomorrow and then turn on the notifications on Peyton channel so you can watch the episode next week and the week after that and so forth and so on because it's great. It is the most action-packed 30-minute sports show on the interwebs and if you don't miss and if you miss out, then you're a moron and you're a square and it's 2022. Why are you a moron? Why are you being a square? Like, watch the show. It's great. So, for my guy, Emmett, of the C-Team Pod and of the Bolt, this is Marcus of Go Talk Marcus signing off. Thank you guys for watching, and as always, you guys enjoy the rest of your lives.